From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more corner pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Oceanfront property in Arizona. If you'll buy that, I'll throw the Golden Gate in free. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It is Wake Up War Champ presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, practice thoughts, managing your quarterbacks, commitment, and Mike Norvell, the Arizona State. What? Warchant.com, the ultimate seminal sports source. The promo code is nothing. It's just a dollar. Go to the website, sign up, because you know what, everybody? All good things come to an end. And this $1 promo for an entire year of access to warchant.com is probably going to end here, I don't know, end of the month, looking like it, sounding like it. So, hmm. you know, you're going to come aboard at some point. Why not do it now when it's only a dollar? Or you can do it in like three weeks and spend $100. But that's not good. That's not good sound economical stuff. And you're a smart person because you listen to Wake Up Warchant, which is presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill in Tallahassee, Florida. cptallybar.com, that is the website. There's a QR code. You pull out your phone. You get the camera out. You put the phone, the phone on the on the barcode. Boom. Go right to the website. Check out the daily lunch specials, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. You can always put your orders online, pick it up. But, you know, again, you walk into that enchanted facility and you're like, okay, this is why Corey Clark talks about hmm. this place being the best side of heaven. As our guy Daryl used to say, um, Captain D63, he's over at Warchant.com as well. Corey Clark's here, though. That's the most important thing. How are you, Corey? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. Went to uh, actually went to Corner Pocket on uh, Monday night to watch a little Monday night football, but those games were terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, obviously trivia on Tuesday. We do what we can. We we we're at Corner Pocket a good bit, and um, always good time. And then I, I think you're going to want to be there on Saturday before the game. Maybe do a little pre gaming at CP before you uh, before you head over to the head over to Doak. And then Sunday they got the direct TV, so you can watch all your NFL games. They got it. And the best part about Corner Pocket, legitimately, is they have people working the remotes that know how to work the remotes. Where you say, "Hey, can you switch this TV to the Lions game?" Like I don't know anybody would say that, but if they did, there's going to be like somebody that goes, "Oh yeah, it's channel whatever, two forty four, seven fifteen, and he just hits it real quick, and that TV is the Lions game. So that's. That's what I love about. That's one of the things I love about Corner Pocket. And also, don't forget, Jeff and I will be there uh, Friday night for the uh, for the War Chant Happy Hour from five thirty to six thirty. That's right. Yeah, pregame at Corner Pocket, then head to Hotel Indigo for the pregame show with Jeff and Tom Saturday. War Chant Game Day presented by Zaxby's. Uh, good cookout. There's going to be a, a tailgate buffet. Treat yourself. Enjoy it. So lots going on this weekend. First home game in about a month, Corey. Crazy enough. Can you believe it? So. I can't, man. It's been a long time. Yeah. It feels like forever since Jeff and I did that thing, oh. what we do at, at Corner Pocket. And also Friday night, they have Kelsey Lamb performing. At, we're the opening act for Kelsey Lamb, who is oh. a country artist. We've talked about her on the show before. Oh, right. um, so, yeah, she's a country slash. I think it'll be a little rocky, but it's also country. Uh, right. She'll be in town Friday night to, for a little live music, if that's, if that's what floats your boat. Yeah, so we'll have Michael Langston, the replay of Michael Langston's reaction to the Blake Nicholson announcement, which as of roaring of this has not happened, but we think it's going to be Flores saying, if it's not, I haven't learned my lesson, and I'll maybe edit something out of the show. There you go, um, smart. 
you know, I don't want to bury the lead. Let's let's get to this part first. You know, a couple of people tagged us in this on Twitter, uh, looked at it. It's, you know, the Arizona Republic, which is the, you know, I think the paper of record in the state of Arizona, which I don't know what is what is we're the sunshine state. You're the peach state. I don't know what Arizona is like uh, the territorial state because the territorial cup. I don't know. Anyhow, as you folks might know, Arizona State now has a vacancy because Herm Edwards got fired after uh, they noticed how awesome Johnny Wilson played on Friday night Mm. in Louisville. And they're like, you let that guy leave. You gone. Uh, He also lost to a directional Michigan school that was on their backup quarterback and a running back whose career high was like 86 yards. And he ripped off over 200 yards. So mutual uh, parting of ways between Herm Edwards, my guy, and Arizona State. And this story in the Arizona Republic or the Arizona, I'm sorry, I don't know the newspaper, which is bad form on my part, but they link to a website called betarizona.com that says Mike Norvell is the odds-on favorite, although you apparently can't even bet on this thing, so what does it even matter? Um, but he's being floated out as from this one entity as being the odds-on favorite. Now, juxtapose that against Pete Thamel, who's pretty rock solid on this stuff. Uh, he's really in tune with the college agents, which is who you need to know when these things uh, come open. And he labeled and rattled off like a dozen names after this news broke uh, of Herm getting let go. Brian Harson, Kalani Satake from BYU, Jonathan Smith, Oregon State, Tom Herman, Troy Calhoun, Charles Huff. I mean, the li- an extensive list. Bill O'Brien, Todd Munkin. I mean, the list is long. Mike Norvell is not on his list. I would I would trust Pete Thamel uh, much more than BetArizona.com. I just I can't. I'd rather live in Tempe than Tallahassee. Sorry, everybody, but Ooh. if I have to coach football, I would be coaching football in Tallahassee over coaching football. I was going to say if you if you had Mike Norvell's job, where yes. would you rather live? Yeah, now, listen. Not if, quite the amount of talent in, in the desert as there is yeah, in uh, if, the state of Florida. If Gene's like, hey, man, you can l- go live in Tempe and I'll pay you the same amount of money and you can keep your job, I'd be like, all right, I'll probably go do that then. Uh, but it doesn't work that way. I have to live here and I'll live What's here. What's the deal? You like, Gila Mon- you like Gila Monsters? <laughs> I, just, I like that dry heat, core. I like that dry heat. <laughs> I guess so, man. Gila Monsters aren't cute at all. And, and Cactus? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was. That, I think that would be, that, that's incredible. Like, the only the way I could see that happening is if, if somehow it falls off a cliff here and he goes six and six. And he's, there's no way that, like, Mike Norvell, if he gets this thing rolling, like, it looks like he's it's starting to churn up the hill in the right direction that you would leave to go to Arizona state. There's, there's zero chance. They don't, it's not like they have a ton of money like A&M. They don't have oil money out there. They have sand money, which is nothing at all. There's nothing out there. Um, I think Herm Edwards was making like 3.5. Um, so he was getting paid appreciably less than, uh, than Mike Norvell is currently. Um, I just couldn't imagine a scenario where anyone would leave Florida state uh, for Arizona state. Just couldn't, couldn't like, but, but an interesting name. So we were, we've already given it too much credence, but um, the interesting name that I did see are uh, just people bandied about on Twitter uh, was Dylan, Kenny Dillingham. He is an Arizona state grad. He coached there. He is from a, Arizona. Cons- yeah. He's from Arizona. Remember Norvell's from Arkansas. Oh, he's from um, Texas. He coached Arkansas. He's from Texas. Oh, I, sorry. I made the yeah, mistake yeah. of saying that to him one time. He's like, I'm from Texas. I'm like, my bad. Carry on. Well, it's all the same, isn't it? Yeah. Arkansas, Arkansa. Tech, Texarkana. Yeah, Come on. Exactly. You're all combined there. Um, but, yeah, Dillingham's from Arizona. He went to Arizona State. Um, he's an up-and-coming coach. That that would not be a sideways job. And, in fact, I, I, that's an insult to Florida State to call Arizona State a sideways job. That's not lateral. That's backwards. 
I mean, we're what's Arizona State won in our lifetimes? Jake Plummer almost won a championship 25, 26 years ago. That's all they got. And they've had some good players roll through there. But that was another thing, Aslan, because we were talking about um, the stadium. That stadium only seats 53,000. Apparently, yeah. It used to seat 75. Like, that's where Arizona State is because I went there. I was in the Fiesta Bowl, and I was like, man, there's no way that stadium only sat 53,000 when I was in that stadium for the Tennessee-Florida State National Championship game. Uh, by the way, Arizona State has not played in a national championship game uh, in that stadium or anywhere else. And... um and yeah, then I looked it up, and at the time in the 90, 80s and nineties, it was over seventy thousand, and now it's down to fifty three thousand. That's the amount of interest that there is in Arizona State football. They've cut their stadium by almost twenty thousand seats, um, and it was still and at still 80, can't fill it up. Yeah, it was at eighty two percent capacity, which I would guarantee is at least like a five percent uh, overshot. Uh, so like forty three thousand seven eighty eight were there. It's crazy when you think about it, though. We'll get into Florida State here in a second. But, like, Arizona State and Florida State were very similar programs in the early 80s. Like, fun programs. They threw the ball a ton. They played every year, always out there. And Florida State always won, like, crazy shootout games. Um, they played, I think, two or three times out there. They won one game, like, 52 to 44. Um, and just the, the directions of the two programs since the, the early 80s. Like, Arizona State was similar colors, obviously similar yeah. Fan base, similar students, uh, both considered at the time in the early 80s to mid to late 80s party schools um, with attractive women. They were sister schools almost. Yes, and then, exactly. And, and then one diverged into become this behemoth, football behemoth, and the other one just kind of stayed a party school that never really made a dent in uh, in the college, world of college football. Um, and then here you are thinking people, I mean, that's just crazy. That's just crazy to think that the head coach at Florida State would leave to go to Arizona State. You could say the same thing about A&M. I get it because A&M's had about the same amount of success in its history as Arizona State, but A&M has a ton of money, and Arizona State, as far as I know, does not. Yeah, and that conference isn't exactly on really right. firm ground either. So Correct. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, just unless his wife is absolutely miserable here, which we see her every Wednesday during Wife yeah. Walk Wednesday, uh, maybe that's the only thing that could happen, but obviously you can also be like, honey, we're making Even $5 million living in Florida. Uh, yeah. Trust the process. We'll get this thing turned. No around. state income tax. You yeah. get to coach Johnny Wilson. Yeah, sure. yeah, all that good stuff. That's crazy though. Arizona State apparently has more win. Actually, that was Arizona. I pulled up on Arizona State. I want to try to get the head-to-head record on us, but I can't can't find it quick enough. But anyway, I know so, they won a couple in the '80s for sure. Florida State did. Oh yeah, I trust you. I believe you. Um, all right, here we go. There it is. Uh, largest margin of victory in the series for the Knolls, 31 to three back in 1979. Uh, we had a three game win streak uh, from 79 to 84, three of them. So there you go. Sense. Yep. Put that in your Greg body. Allen. Greg Allen ran all over those fools out there in yeah. the desert. They didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, we're three and two all time. Last time we obviously played was that Sun Bowl game. So, oh, that's right. The Jaden Daniels game, but you got revenge on him too. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess we should be flattered by it. Do you guys want me to ask Norvell, huh? You guys want me to ask Mike? I think <laughs> Mike, I don't know. Like, it's so preposterous. He might actually, like, laugh kind of and be, like, flattered by it. Um, or would it just be a total, like, jerk move to ask that question? Like, hey, coach, like, your name is being floated out there. Like, are you happy? I don't know. I, listen, I, I like needling people sometimes, but, like, I, I, that do. might be one that uh, – you know, maybe even I would feel uncomfortable asking. So we'll see. Stay well, tuned. only because you don't. It, it's not like Jimbo to LSU rumors. Yeah. Uh, or Jimbo to A and M rumors. This is that. This is utterly preposterous. And I, I don't want to be on freezing cold takes. I just there's no, there's no, 
part of me that would think that anybody with a, a sound mind and an IQ in triple digits would uh, leave Florida State for Arizona State. It just would make zero sense. Yeah, no. What, rebuild again? Do all this work for the last three years? Actually have this thing going in the right direction? And then jump into the desert? Well, come on, man. Maybe he's like, Johnny, will you go back? Like, I'll go. Will you come with me? And then that that's... that's oh, yeah, Johnny transfers of... back. You yeah. shouldn't be allowed to do that. <laughs> you're, not allowed, you're not allowed to transfer back after you've transferred away. Yeah, just, I mean, listen, he was there for a couple of years as an OC. I don't know how much he fell in love with that place. But, hey, Jimbo loved LSU and was only an OC there. And apparently... Yeah, well, Jimbo won a national championship in Baton Rouge. What Norvell win in Tempe? Seven games a year. Come the on, P, the Micron PC Bowl. That's right. Uh, we'll all we always we all remember that. <laughs> all right. Um, so we spoke to coach and uh, several players after practice on Tuesday. Uh, you know, you guys all want to know about Jordan Travis. He was out there. He was practicing. Um, so that's something to maybe factor into your minds. Uh, you know, did ask coach about whether or not Tate having a good week of practice and playing well on Friday, if that affects anything. And Jordan's evaluation is independent of anything that Tate has done or will do this week. If Jordan's you know prepared, he'll play, I think is something to that extent is what Coach said. So, um, you know, injuries are starting to pile up, but the fact that he was out there, um, good sign. We don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback. Even if we did find out, we probably wouldn't be able to tell you guys because them the rules, but – uh, anything stand out to you watching practice on Tuesday or anything that was said afterwards, Corey, that uh, caught your seasoned veteran uh, journalist here? No, but I think Ira made a good point on headlines. When, 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 uh, when There's a lot of people that listen to this show that are going to try to uh, splice what we say and really bear down on what we say. We're talking about the diehards and the ones on the message boards, too, that are, that are examining practice footage mm -hmm. and that are going through our practice reports and looking for names and looking for this and looking for that. Ira's point was... Even if we say somebody practiced, was that practice? Um, we don't know what they're looking for to, to, to convince themselves or get the doctor's information that they're ready to play. On the same token, if somebody didn't practice on a Tuesday or Wednesday while we're there to watch, it doesn't mean they don't practice on Thursday and are ready to play. Um, so there is going to be some gray area when it comes to um, – uh, mainly the guys that you saw all leave the field on Friday night. We just, we, we will not know. Um, what, what I will say, and I said this on headlines, so I'll say it again. Um, from, from what I could tell at practice on Tuesday, none of the injuries that we saw on Friday night are season enders. I think that's fair to say. Uh, well, I think that's fair to say. Now, we don't, okay. there's no timetable. We won't know a timetable. But I, I, I did not see anything in my, in my, from my vantage point, that would tell me, okay, that kid maybe for the bowl game. Like I didn't see anything like that. But again, we'll know, and we're we'll know on Saturdays because yeah. th this guy is very open. He's very accessible, but he is steadfast in his injury policy, and he is not going to tell us. He would tell us, I think, if somebody had a season ender. Yeah. I do think that uh, he he's proven that he's done it. Oh, so your um, point you mentioned on the show the other day, like if somebody's done for the season, we'll find out after the game. Probably like the way, next Monday, yeah, I would think. Like he sat yeah. on the Bless Harris news, kind of. Yes, like yeah, yeah, exactly right. So I think we would find out next Monday. But just from my vantage point, um, it didn't seem like that was something to be worried about. At least the people you guys are worried about uh, did not seem season enders. But look, man, no matter who who was back. Um, and how how quickly they come back? We know the depth is going to be tested. We just know it. And um, 
you know, maybe Tate has to play Saturday. There is a chance. I don't know the percentage, but there is a chance that Tate has to play. I thought he looked good on Tuesday. Um, I thought he kind of carried over what he did on uh, on Friday night against Louisville, and I thought he looked he looked sharp, in my opinion. In Tom's opinion, too, he wrote about it on our site. I thought he looked sharp on Tuesday, and I thought Johnny Wilson stacked another good day on top of what he did Friday night. He made a play, Aslan. I don't know if you saw it. It was on. It was in one-on-ones. Um, he ran, he just sprinted past Akeem Dent and Akeem Dent's a good college football player. He's good, good safety, good college football player might, might play in the league one day. Johnny Wilson's faster than we think he is, but what he did Aslan, which I, I hadn't seen him do before. He sprints by Akeem Dent, Rodemaker launches a deep ball. Johnny Wilson's running full speed, looking up and at the last possible second as the, because Akeem Dent's, you know, in his hip, he's, he's, you know, he, he ran past him, but Akeem Dent's right, right there. Um, at the last possible second, my man throws the late hands out there. As the ball is almost at his chest, coming down, dropping down into the bucket is when he puts his hands out. So Akeem Dent had no idea the ball was even coming because he didn't he didn't telegraph it at all. He didn't have his hands out because if you have your hands out, the guy knows the ball's coming and he can rip it out or he can put his hands on top of your arms and so you can't catch it. Johnny Wilson waited till the ball was almost helmet high coming down, if you, if you guys can picture that, before he stuck his hands out. That was something I had not seen before. Um, and it was a, you know, whatever it was, a 50, 60 yard touchdown. And he had another one against the scout team. Um, yeah, he's, he, as Alex got, Alex Atkins said on Monday, he's a problem. Now he's not going to catch everything. There'll be, again, like I always say, there'll be some moments where you're like, yeah, I mean, I didn't see him drop anything on Tuesday, but receivers drop passes. I think Rashad Green has the best hands of anybody I've ever covered. And he dropped a huge pass in the national championship game. It happens. But my man is starting to learn the position. And I think I really wonder, um, we talk about the confidence of Tate. What did that do for Johnny Wilson's confidence to go out there and not just have a good day and prove that he was a good college receiver, but could be a dominating college receiver on on that stage? We'll, we'll see, but he might be ready to take off, man. Yeah, you know, we, we talked about in the offseason, like, you know, when are we going to stop hedging and, and trying to, you know, qualify and couch and everything with Johnny Wilson? And you finally were like, no, that's I'm like, all right, we'll do it then. Say it. You're like, all right, fine, I will. Like, I I think that kid's going to be a, a potential difference maker for this program this year. It's one game. Understood. Got it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on the kid, though. I, I think, I mean, if you told me over under 58 catches, I'd, I'd say over. Um, I don't know What's where you at are now. What like do you have? 12? That's, yeah, it's probably not fair. He's had seven, and then what do you have? Two against two, one against two K, and he got hurt, and then yeah. three or four against LSU. Um, so maybe yeah, four uh, for 60 against LSU. So five. So what do you have? Seven for 149? Yeah, so 12. Right. So four a game. So that gets him to 48. Uh, but those numbers might be going up. I think so. I yeah, think those so. numbers might be going up. He definitely, I mean, he's averaging 80 yards a game, which would put him right around 1,000. And I think, again, I think those numbers are about to go up. Now, he is going to be, uh, when you're just talking about defensive schemes, he's put enough on film now where he's the top of the scouting report. And uh, Boston College will be will have a safety over the top a lot, which really, really should free things up for everybody else. That is that is a, that is such a weapon to have a guy that, ha- that requires special attention mm. because that frees everything up on the other side. That's why that 2000, well, it helped that the offensive line and the quarterback and the running backs and everything else. But the reason that Kelvin Benjamin and Rashad Green were able to, ha- and Kenny Shaw, for that matter, were able to have those big moments is because, okay, who are you going to double? 
Like if you're going to, and Kelvin's the matchup nightmare, so he got a lot of attention. But if he's getting a lot of attention, well, number 80 is awesome. And the same thing with Rashad Green. Okay, you got to give him special attention. Okay, well, now you can't cover Kelvin one-on-one. It just frees everything up. So, you know, if you have to if you have to shade coverage over to one side of the field, man, you, you, you should put a lot of pressure on that safety on the other side. With, with two wide receivers over there, a wide receiver and a tight end, there should be things opening up all across the field. If uh, that if if you have a guy that's that's requiring uh, double coverage or at least a lot of attention, mybookie.ag it is winning season over at mybookie. When you sign up and use the promo code WARCHANT, your first deposit will be doubled on the spot. I think they're going to give you a chip that you can use uh, on their online casino as well, so you can like put it on a blackjack game or roulette, you know, and then use that money to go into the sports book and put it down on these games going down this weekend it's still 16 and a half points the over under is 48 and a half um you know we'll make our game picks on the war chant report we'll talk about it but you know that's a lot of points though i was really you know still confident a lot of points though 16 yeah. and a half is a lot to yep. give so we'll see how that goes Corey will unveil his locks of the week during our live show or maybe on the next show but we'll be live at six o'clock later today but Corey, you're gonna have to check out my bookie and pick out like three proposition games, uh, put it together for the people, so okay. they can um, they can live the high life, get the excitement that you get when you mm. bet on the ponies and bet on your games. Yeah, absolutely, Aslan. Because you know I crush every bet I make. I'm I'm actually hitting it about a hundred percent for my life. Woo. So guys, ride with me. I don't remember ever losing a bet. So ride with me, and I'll make you all millionaires. Mybookie.ag. Use that promo code Warchant. Again, your first deposit will be doubled. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere. Not your father's bookie. It's mybookie.ag. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. To play devil's advocate a little bit here, Corey, on the injury stuff, which, again, we can't talk too much specifically about, and we don't have a lot of specifics on it either. You mentioned Ira talking about people trying to, you know, look at our practice footage like Sapruder film and looking at these photos, and people like, well, when was this photo taken? You know, somebody was talking about, you know, hey, I'm not going to get excited one way or the other or optimistic because I'll always remember seeing Caden Lyles in practice video and then, you know, two days later finding out he's out for the season. So, you know, guys were present and accounted for at practice, but we'll see just how much uh, that kind of affects, uh, you know, what where their standing will be. I mean, I, 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 I like what you said on the other show the other day about, hey, listen, we'll, we'll know – Thumbs up, thumbs down, long-term prognosis on guys if it's a major one after the game. Um, so, I, but I, I do feel goodish, you know, mm. on the whole. Uh, but there's, you know, I'm sure there's no way they, they with the way those guys went down, the way that things looked, it'd be crazy almost if uh, they came out of that thing totally unscathed. So, uh, at least you know for you know multiple weeks, that would that would be crazy. But we'll we'll try to. We'll try to figure out ways to cryptically maybe relay information to you folks. But check out the website, observations, practice video, all that stuff uh, is over on the site. What is your bigger concern right now, though, Corey, with 
you know, whether Robert Scott misses one week or however many weeks and whether Jared Verse misses one or week or however many weeks, uh, you know, we're not talking a lot about, you know, Malcolm Ray's the guy who went down too. So, I mean, right now with the depth being pushed, you know, at several important positions, quarterback with Jordan going down, offensive line, it's starting to stack up now. Now the defensive line's starting to feel it too. Uh, is offensive line more of a concern for you when it comes to depth and injuries or is defensive line now uh, maybe the more uh, concerned because of uh, what we've seen happen here? Well, and I, defensive line, uh, mainly because of what I saw Friday night. Um, that was not a good defensive line effort, uh, especially, I mean, Fabian Lovett's a really big deal. That was very apparent uh, against Louisville. And if he can't go, um, you, you gotta, if he can't go, you've got to, you've got to find a way to survive. You did it once against Louisville. Um, you've got to find a way to survive without your best defensive tackle. And you might have to find a way to survive without your best defensive end. Like there's a chance that neither one of those guys are playing and they are your two best players on defense. And you know, the, the advantage you have over Boston college is Boston college has a really bad offensive line. They're struggling to run the ball. They have been decimated by injuries. Well, now you're the, the strength, what I think is probably the strength of your team um, defensively, you know, it's it's hamstrung quite a bit. Like, not only do you not have Fabian Lovett, you might not have one of his backups. I mean, Malcolm Ray went out of the game. Um, so you, you're really stretched thin at, at, at defensive tackle. I asked Norvell about some of the guys coming on, um, the, the young guys at defensive tackle, because they're going to have to, there's a chance that they're going to have to play. And whether that's Farmer actually stepping up and starting to make plays, not just be on the field, but make plays. Um, you know, Jared Jackson's had a pretty nice season, but he's got to raise his level, I think. Um, and then you, you just go down the line. Robert Cooper has to raise his level of play. Um, you know, I, I and he might be dealing with stuff. I don't know, but he's out there. He's got to play like Robert Cooper. And then there's, the, who else? Bishop Thomas. Guys like that. Daniel to, Lyons have, is the guy that yeah. uh, he mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Briggs moves inside, but does do you do that with with if if you're without your your other defensive end? Like so, th there's there's real question marks of that defense. But I think the offensive line, if you watch that game with Darius Washington came in, they held up okay. They held up fine. Um, I think now you're scraping the bottom of the you're scraping it the 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 limits of your depth. You're testing right now. You've already lost two dudes for the year. You thought you had a rotation of nine probably. Well, two of them are gone, and one of them probably maybe is out this week at least, and he's your starting left tackle. So you've lost two. You probably have lost. I shouldn't say probably. You might have lost. You definitely lost one. You might have lost your other tackle, um, and that's just that's not a great recipe either. But I I feel better about the depth on the offensive line, the guys that are filling in, because I think uh, I, they have experience. They played a lot of football. The guys that are filling in for like Fabian Lovett and Jared Verse have not really accomplished much of anything at, at the college level. Yeah. You know, Leonard Warner's been here five, six years. He's going to have to play a lot of Patrick Payton. These guys are going to be play, playing more than they ever have, and they've got to be better than they've been. That's that. So I, I just think there's more of an unknown with the defensive line. I, I, I had a bit of a question mark about the defensive line before the season even started, about the depth of it. And now that's being really tested. And without, if Lovett and Verse can't go, um, those are your two NFL guys. Those are, those are your two best players up front. And that is going to make things easier for Boston College considerably. I just think the difference between Lovett and his backup and Jared Verse and his backup is much more substantial than the difference between Robert Scott and Darius Washington at left tackle. Yeah, or bless Harris and Turnantine at right tackle. I just yeah. think there's a there's a bigger disparity there. I mean, 
other than I don't know, maybe like Tatum Bethune or, or Johnny Wilson, it's probably the biggest drop off from you know one to two on your on your two deep. Like when you talk about going from Fabian to you know, you know, especially my third string because if, if Malcolm can't go, although maybe right. Jarrett Jackson were you know maybe underselling him a little bit, but we talked about it throughout camp, man. That was the one thing. Now listen, we're like they went and they attacked the heck out of the portal. They brought in all these wide receivers. One of them's got to work out. They went into the portal. They got Demetri Manuel. They got Jazz in turn time. I mean, they recruited all these freshmen. And they'll figure it out. But like defensive tackle was that one spot that you and I were kind of like, listen, man, like you know, we like, we really like Fabian and Robert. But behind that, you know, we, you know, Jarrett seems enticing. I mean, he's a very tall young man. He's got physical tools. You know, Malcolm Ray. You know. Can he hold up to the rigors of playing a lot of downs and a lot of snaps? Well, if he, you know, he's in a rotation, it won't be as big of a problem. And you know, apparently had some pretty good uh, tackle for loss numbers and production uh, for a second string guy. But um, yeah, it's just it's just crazy how how things can change very quickly in terms of how much you like where you're at, and then one guy goes, and you're like, oh boy, especially when yeah. it's a guy like Fabian, especially when it's a guy like um, Jared, and especially I think at the defensive end spot because there hasn't been anybody that's been nearly as explosive and dynamic as as Jared but you know now, I did I did like what I saw weak offensive line so I did like what I saw out of McClendon uh it, for flashes of that Louisville game you know he had the sack in the first half that was a big sack it came right after the Rodemaker interception where I thought Louisville was going to go down and make it at least a two-score game maybe a 14-point game and um he had a sack that kind of ended their drives ended their hopes there and then in that last interception he's the one that forces him out of the pocket he beats the tar out of that tackle so McClendon, McClendon's going to start playing with more confidence, and I think he's a decent player. He's not Jared Verse, but I think he's a decent player. I liked what I saw from him, but yeah. And look, man, the reason that it concerns me, the defensive line, isn't just because – it's not because I don't believe in those guys that are playing behind Lovett necessarily or Verse, but I saw the game Friday night. They got run through. A good port. It was not just Cunningham running. Yeah, but the last uh, two drives they held up. You know exactly right, and that was good to see. Um, and you hopefully can they can they can build on that. And I also think there's there's something to um, having done it now, played being on the field when it matters, and being on a being on the field when you win a game. I think that matters. Being the being the side that clinches a game, and then also you're not facing a track star at quarterback. Finally, the Jerkovich can run. He's a he's Jerkovich. a Jerkovich. Sorry, he's a he's a pretty good athlete, um, and he can move, but he's not Malik Cunningham. Yeah. So I think that that changes the way you defend too. When you're so worried about the quarterback keeping it, I don't think you're as worried about this quarterback keeping it as you have been the previous two weeks. So that will be um, so. Hopefully, the run defense uh, will be a little better. And basically, what you need, man, you just need your defensive tackles to keep the offensive linemen. I mean, it'd be great if you push them back. You can't allow BC to run the ball. Make them one-dimensional. But if you just keep the offensive linemen off your linebackers, your linebackers can go make plays. They're pretty good linebackers, man. Let them be free to go make plays. Keep your linemen off, Keep those linemen off them, and uh, Florida State should be able to control the running game, you hope. And if you can control the running game, you're probably going to win the game. But if you get gashed like Louisville was gashing you, that's going to be problematic. You know, it's week four. I think everybody's pretty much playing a conference opponent. Uh, I mean, it's just really tough. I mean, Wake Forest has taken on Clemson, noon, uh, in Winston-Salem. Clemson's still a seven-point favorite. Uh, But, I mean, this matchup, you know, BC's one and two. They lost to Rutgers by one, pretty much got blown up by Virginia Tech 
final score really wasn't indicative of just how badly they were, you know, just kind of outmanned and outmatched. Uh, their one win was last week against Maine. They trailed uh, at a certain point in that game. They're 130th in the country in running the ball. They don't even average 50 yards per game running the ball. They got how pretty... many teams are in the country? 110? Like how? One how... Thir- like 135, I think. So they're almost dead last? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean... that's crazy. Boston College, too, man. Remember back in the day? Yeah. That was their calling card. You know, and... You know, Patrick Garwo uh, is a quite a, he's a talented running back, but right now he's not having a very strong season. Um, you know, they they're passing the O line. The O line has been the O line's just really bad. Oh, just think about where Florida State is, but like double it, and then you're you weren't even starting on as good of ground as Florida State yeah. was. Like they had this guy Christian Mahogany, who I think might have been one of the the top five rated guards on on McShay or Kuiper's board. He, he got lost to the season uh, in the spring, and I think they actually wanted to go after Demetri Emanuel. There's this interesting quote out there in, in the offseason uh, where they were, you know, Jeff, Jeff Halfley got, you know, asked, like, hey, man, like, you didn't do anything to really address your offensive line in the portal. What's up with that? And he gave this kind of cryptic response about, like, listen, you have to find guys that are good enough, that fit, and then also how much do you have to spend to get these guys? And then mm. the, the context of the story was, you know, it was believed that they were involved with Demetri Emanuel, uh, who ended up going to Florida State, but he had a pre-existing relationship with Alex Atkins, the offensive coordinator and line coach, so maybe it wasn't a, a purely NIL uh, sort of deal. But that, that offensive line is just is, is absolutely battered and bruised, so maybe it won't be nearly as daunting uh, for this defensive line. That's why line. you just – it's just bad luck. Like, I, I feel like that if Fabian Lovett and Jared Burst were playing – like, I knew for sure they were going to play, and they were healthy, and they, this was the defense that played against LSU, I feel like Florida State would win by 25 or 30 points. I They would have no shot. They just wouldn't. Yeah. Um, they, they, they could not block Fabian Lovett and Jared Burst consistently for four quarters, and they would wreak havoc. Um, but when if you don't have those guys, they got a shot. Um, you, because they're, you, we just don't know. I hope, I, I hope, and I think that these the the Florida State guys that will be playing will still be too much for the Boston College offensive line because it's beleaguered. It, it like Aslan said, it's battered and bruised. Uh, but we don't know until they go do it. Um, so that's you just it would be such a mismatch if you had your starting defensive line. It would be an utter mismatch. Right now, it's probably still a bit of a mismatch, but not not nearly as much if uh, zero and five can't play. Uh, last thought kind of on this, and then uh, we'll probably throw to the uh, reaction from Michael Langston and myself uh, to the Blake Nicholson commitment. Okay, all right. So we'll see how that goes. Um, the, the one kind of mild concern I have, although when Mike Norvell talked about how much respect he had for Boston College and how well coached they are and Jeff Halfley, part of me is like, well, you know, if he really was nervous or scared, maybe he wouldn't be so effusive in his praise for them. Uh, but right now they're 42nd in total defense. They, they have a lot of NFL kind of pedigree on the coaching side of things, which didn't really fare all that well for them last year. Uh, you know, Jordan, the offense, uh, did a pretty good job against them. But I, I heard this on a podcast with Ryan Rossillo and Trent Dilfer was talking about it. Um, I am a little bit worried about maybe – the way they'll try to confuse and give some crazy looks to Tate early on, and then if you do have some turnovers, that that can be the thing that's going to make this a long night for Florida State. They're going to have to really fight uh, for four whole quarters, which maybe you think they will, Corey, at this point. But you know, Trent Dilfer was talking about like they were talking about Tua 
and how it seemed like Tua had a lot of easy throws for Miami in the second half of their big comeback against Baltimore, and a lot of that was just to kind of give him some confidence, get him set up and rolling. And Trent Dilfer was saying, you know, as a quarterback, you're going to have, you know, you'll have to play quarterback for maybe 10 or 12 10 or 12 snaps as a thrower. The rest of them, like it, you're, it's your coach giving you is out X and Oing the opposition and giving you some really easy throws that just schematically the defense can't keep up with. But yeah, there's going to be 10, 12, 15. We're like, yeah, you're going to have to run around. You're going to have to scramble. You're going to have to, you know, buy some time, look some guys off, create some things yourself. And that kind of started making me think about. This is going to be kind of a cool little chess match, maybe, because, listen, Halfley, his D coordinator, was a, like the linebackers coach of the Bengals a few years ago, so they have a lot of NFL sort of experience. Again, didn't do all that well for them last year, but they're going to want to create confusion for Tate, and it's going to be, can can Johnny Wilson, man, I think so much of it's going to be Johnny Wilson, can can he create some sort of ease for for Tate to get into a into a comfortable start? Because if he doesn't turn the ball over early, I, they'll win the game, and I don't want to say comfortably, but I don't, I don't think we'll be biting our nails the way we were against Louisville. But if if he's confused early on and, and BC gets some short fields uh, and they can maybe get, pop a play or two at Zay Flowers, then that's going to be like, all right, here we go, man. We're just, we're still in win small mode, which I'm not complaining about. Let's just let's just win these games. But could that maybe be the, the a, a pretext to what this game could be a, a tricky one for Florida State is uh, an NFL sort of background defensive-minded uh, staff creating some tricky looks for a guy who hasn't really started a, a major game in his career. Well, it, well, this number one, that's assuming that Tate is starting. And that's we true. Have, we no. don't know that uh, at all. Um, but, yeah, I think the recipe for Boston College to, to win this game is to take advantage of Tate is starting, of a guy that still has not proven a ton and will has been, a, not a little, has been a lot um, – Turnover risky prone. with the football yeah. he's he's been he's had a penchant for throwing interceptions at very few attempts um so that's how you get in the game that's how you stay in the game and put pressure on him um now look if i if if i knew for a fact that jordan travis was playing i would think the 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 if he was playing and healthy i would think the floor for florida state offensively would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 28 to 30 30 points mm-hmm. would be the floor um because that's how much I believe in Jordan Travis right now and his weapons um, and this offensive line, frankly. I just thought, I, I, and, and Norvell is a play caller. Like all of it, it, I was just so impressed with what we saw Friday night. So that would be the floor at home. It's like 28 to 30 points. Um, and you trust that Jordan's not going to turn the ball over a ton. And that, look, 30 points should be enough to beat a team that's been so bad offensively, even if you don't have a couple of really good linemen. That You're thinking Boston College will maybe score 20 to 23 would be like their their ceiling. But without Jordan Travis, if it is Tate Rodemaker, man, it is still way up in the air. I love what I saw from that dude on uh, in the second half on on Friday night. Okay, well, now you got a whole nother challenge. You know, maybe you've, been, you've known you're the quarterback for the whole week. How do you handle that? How do you handle the pressure that comes with that? How do you handle a defense game planning for you? You know, Louisville didn't take away the middle of the field. They didn't take away the uh, the, the RPO where you just have one read. Maybe Boston College does and makes you go to that second read. Maybe you get happy feet. They are a better defense than Louisville, I think. Yeah, um, no, they are. You know, yeah. you know, they gave up, what, 22 to Rutgers. They gave up 27 to Virginia Tech. Those aren't – it's not a terrible defense. So it's going to be a bigger challenge. You are at home. That helps. But, man, turnovers are the great equalizer. Um, and if Tate Rodemaker, if he starts and plays – 
cannot make the critical mistakes, then yeah, I feel good about him and his development. And I, and I think he can win the game, but man, it, stuff gets dicey real quick. I'm not convinced. And I know it was two years ago. If Tate plays the whole game against Jacksonville state two years ago, I don't know. They win that Jacksonville state game. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you can start spiraling. Um, I hope that's at through with him. I hope, I hope that Friday night was the turning point of his career. Um, I, I just hope, and it, there's a very, ch- there's a chance it could be a good chance. Probably. I mean, he wouldn't prove something to himself and to his teammates, but I still think Norvell, if, if Tate Rodemaker is playing in this game would do himself a huge service by not throwing too much on the kid's plate, not just thinking, all right, well, he proved he could do it on the stage. Let's o- let's empty it all. Just, he can do it all. You know, make it simple. Make yeah. it, and I we we use this exam. I've used it way too much. I haven't used it lately. But like when EJ took over for Christian Ponder when EJ was a freshman in '09, Jimbo I thought did a great job of simplifying everything: rollouts, easy passes to tight ends, over and over. Just get him in a rhythm. Make him feel good. Use his legs. Rodemaker's not Jordan Travis or Malik Cunningham, but he's not. Um, you know, 2021 McKenzie Milton either. He can he can move a little bit. Yeah. You let him use his legs. Get outside the pocket. Easy throws, man. Easy throws. And tell the kid it's okay to punt. All those all those things. That's what Norvell gets paid a lot of money to do. That's what Tokars gets paid to do. If Tate Rodemaker's your quarterback, have a game plan that goes to his strengths, which do not have him. Um, which ha- is just a solid plan. Use his strengths and make sure he knows to not be loose with the football. Yeah, I mean, you know, the first play of the game that, that Tate came into was after a sack, and it was third and long, and they let him throw the ball. So That's what I'm saying. That's another I, thing. Like, and, the, and his interception came on third and 26 because he had, a, he had an intentional grounding and then a, I think another penalty or something, or maybe he was sacked again. Um, but it was third and 20-something. It's like, man, run the ball. Something safe, Mike. Something safe in <laughs> yeah, that spot. You know that that's what I want him to under. That's what I want maybe uh, Norvell to understand or Tokars to understand, Atkins to understand is just because he loosened it up a little bit and you saw a light doesn't mean it's bright sunshine and he can handle everything now. Like still temper it a little bit and make now if he if he's in the second quarter and he's in a rhythm and you feel good and he's seeing things and he's seeing the picture as Adam Fuller always says, then maybe expand a little bit, maybe get a little more comfortable and confident. But I would go into that game. With kid gloves, if Tate Rodemaker is the quarterback. With, and now, if Jordan Travis is the quarterback, go score 50. Mm. But if Tate Rodemaker is your quarterback, I go into it with kid gloves. And I, and I, I ease him into the game plan. I ease him into this and, uh, you know, get him some confidence and make sure he's seeing the picture before you uh, really unloose. Or just throw it up to 14. Yeah. And again, to underscore Corey's point, and and it it sounds like we're sort of tipping that that Tate's going to start, but we have we have, we have you know, I would we really I would don't tip, have yeah, an idea. Yeah, we I really I would don't. Probably tip it stronger for if I knew something, so I could fill you folks in because I know these are the the, the burning questions that you diehards have. You just want to know who your starting quarterback is going to be, but there's um, there hasn't been any sort of tip off or anything about him, him being the starter. But I just Again, you know, these are the things that might come up in the in the course of a game against them. I think that's the only way. Like, th- th- these are the these are the only sort of ways that I think Flores ends up in a, in a really tight ball game. Otherwise, yeah, backup quarterback that that struggles. Yeah, that's where that's where I think you could lose a game as a seventeen point favorite. A backup quarterback that starts to see ghosts and starts to struggle. I think, and, and we talked about it on headlines. We talked about it. Um, well, we've talked about it. Uh, you and I, and then we and then Norvell said it after the game. Man, I. 
Jordan Travis might be one of the best players in the country. Yeah, man. Like literally, you might have a quarterback who's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Can you can you say otherwise after the first three games that he's played? Like he's been great. Yes. Um, so that 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 might just be who you got there. You also might have one of the best receivers in the country. Maybe it's just one game. I don't know. But I don't he's, think so. I don't think it's one I game. Mean, I think it's. I think he's. He's. Oh, legit, you're, you're saying yes. you, you think he might be? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not. Uh, I'm not I, I do being too. Cautious at all. I'm all. Yeah. So yeah. You, you might have two real stars, kind of, on this offense. Um, that that's why that that I get why people want to know about Jordan Travis, but I just think for the whole season, um, you know, you you have to like what you're seeing from the quarterback position, and I just think that's why I thought that if Jordan Travis was playing. Uh, for sure that this is this is an automatic easy dub. If he's not playing and you got a backup, well, that's where things can, can get dicey. But that's how much I believe in Travis. If, he, if if he's healthy, man, if he's healthy, who can't they beat? Well, you know? Alabama and Georgia. And that's well, fine. We're not going to see those yeah. teams. Probably. You're not going to play those guys unless it's in the playoff, and then you'll take that. Absolutely. All right, then. Um, I'll, I'll pull this up maybe for when we do our uh... – Renegade Express. We'll have a. We'll be live today, by the way, which I, I buried the lead. I kind of clumsily mentioned it during the the my bookie read, but we'll be live six o'clock on Wednesday. That will be your Thursday podcast, and then we'll do Renegade Express. Uh, probably get that thread up. I don't know Thursday morning or so. Leave it up mm. for a few hours for you folks yeah. to go and hop in there. Um, you know, right now Florida State has two out of the top seven uh, receivers when it comes to. Um, I don't even know how they're sorting this by average yards uh, per game. So Johnny's third, averaging eighty-six point seven yards per game. Pokey's seventh, averaging seventy yards per game. So okay. right. I, I must want to be like, I mean, I they probably have the best receiving core in the conference. Well, I don't know about that, but maybe I don't know. I don't know enough about the rest of the guys. It certainly doesn't appear to be Miami. No, um, no, those guys struggled a little bit. Um, I mean, North Carolina is going to get uh, that Josh Downs kid is, is back, and they've, they've got yeah, a guy that's yeah, and that done guy's pretty a, good. That, that is a difference maker there. Uh, but look, man, the Florida State, like when you look at these skill guys, um, I don't think you they've come close to tapping what Micah Pittman can be. Um, yep. I think he will start making more plays than you've seen. Um, I just that, that didn't work. I mean, once 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 Jordan went down against Louisville, it basically became man. Go look at 14, throw it to 14. Yep. Um, I think Micah Pittman is going to make a big difference for this offense still. I think Pokey has proven what he is. Johnny Wilson might be a, a, a budding superstar. And then, you know, Winston Wright's on the team. And eventually, some point, um, he might join the team. And then you have you also have Malik McLean, who made a great catch in the end zone for a touchdown that we, we haven't really talked about a lot. Um, they like Darian Williamson. Deuce Span had a long catch that I saw in practice on Tuesday. Like, they have some dudes that that you start to get a little excited about maybe the potential. Where last year you're just like, what is this? This year you see these these guys and and the growth of the dudes that were here, and then also the influx of the transfers. And you're like, yeah, man, this. And plus those running backs, you're like, yeah, this is a pretty good skill group. I, I would say. They're above average at wide receiver, and I think they're above average at running back. I think tight end is probably average overall, but you can't be great at everything. No, you can't. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe Georgia. By the way, Georgia, that kid, that, the kid from LSU, the Eric Gilbert kid, yeah. has still not played for Georgia. Yeah. And they don't need him because the tight end they have is the best player in college football. It's unbelievable. Just let's go get a kid from Napa Valley, and he's going to be the best player in the sport. Awesome. Oh, man. 
All right, that's a wrap for uh, Corey and I. Uh, we'll begin. We'll be live later tonight, 6 p.m., and then Renegade Express will be your Friday program. That thread will be up uh, Thursday morning. Get involved over at warchant.com. It's only a buck, but only for like another week or so. So hurry up and get on it. Uh, Michael Langston, Talking Recruiting, coming up right after this. Growing up, my dad used to take me to the game at the stadium. We'd watch our favorite team play, and then we'd always eat at Zaxby's. That's why it means so much to me that Zaxby's is the official chicken of college fans. To me, they go together perfectly. It reminds me of my dad and... Oh, come on, ref! Are you serious? Get some glasses! Terrible call! Now, I take my kids to the game, and we always eat at Zaxby's, too. It's tradition. We're proud to be the official chicken of college fans. Zaxby's, indescribably good. And don't forget to listen in for the Zaxby's indescribably good player of the week every Monday on Wake Up War Chant. Go with it, Michael. Breaking news on this late Tuesday night. They got a commitment. What do we know? Who is he? Linebacker Blake Nicholson out of Manteca. I'm going to say Manteca. Manteca. Actually, Manteca. Manteca, California. Four-star linebacker. Essentially, basically a top 100 type of linebacker. I, I'm really high on him. I, I've, I've liked this kid for a while. And I've really felt like uh, this was a guy that FSU really just it, early on just put everything into this guy. Obviously, a tough battle with Oregon. But uh, FSU got the job done. Certainly, I think the season certainly didn't hurt uh, how things are going. But I think ultimately with this decision, I think it came down to, to how FSU recruited him. Uh, they got to know him personally before they offered I think other schools, they offered him because he's really talented. They didn't really get to know him the way FSU did. I think that really resonated with Blake throughout the process. That was a big deal. And obviously the feeling he had when he was on campus, he said that many times, both times he visited, visited once, officially visited on, in June, and then took another visit in July for the Seminole Showcase. And it was just clear every time he was here, there was a different feeling uh, when he was at FSU. Sure, Oregon's great. They got a lot of nice stuff over there, but – you really sensed something that was special when he was on the FSU campus. Uh, the fans really helped out a lot. He mentioned that uh, when he committed tonight about how, you know, a lot of the FSU fans are so passionate and they're really into it and just they knew his name and all that stuff, which is not normal for kids that are from, you know, out of state, especially in California. So I think the, I think overall it was just a lot of things that really just led him to Florida State. Um, I've, I've really liked their chances ever since he took that July visit. I really felt like, that was everything they needed. Uh, he needed to see, and and certainly saw a different bonding when he was around the other commitments during that time for the showcase. And man, did they get a hell of a linebacker! This guy can play. Uh, very athletic, fast to the ball, uh, great instincts, gets off blocks really quick, and just everything you're looking for from a linebacker. That certainly we've seen some of with the team this year, but to add a piece like that of a position that they desperately need and need to add guys that are top guys, Blake Nicholson is, is a huge pickup for FSU and, and keeps that recruiting momentum going. Michael, you talked about this team needs to win and then we'll see the fruits of that labor kind of pay off. A lot of guys kind of waiting, seeing what's going on. Uh, you know, his decision was already kind of announced uh, in advance here, but how much of this three and zero start do you think is the credit for him pulling the trigger tonight? Yeah, fruits of labor, they're there. Uh, 3-0 and uh, certainly helps. I think it kind of just, for me, I, I think he was already leaning that way. I think it just solidified that the box, every box can be checked off when you're talking about, you know, uh, 
finishing it off. I think I think it was a it was a small part, but I think it was an important part where he wanted to see how they looked. Certainly, when you see Tatum Bethune flying around, Kalen Deloach making plays everywhere, even DJ Lundy in there, you know, doing some nice things. So when you see that and you see the scheme of what they're doing, I think that certainly was. I think it was bigger about what the linebackers look like than so the a team because I think he felt really comfortable about where they're going, where this team's going, where this program's going. And uh, and I I certainly think that LSU game really helped. It kind of showed you kind of the fight of this team learning how to win. And I think that really certainly captured his attention. But I think uh, things were kind of set in motion a little bit. I think this just solidified it and finished it off with the winning. How about our guy Rob Rathbun here, man? It's not even like a show show, and he's just out here dropping (laughs) bags. Nice. Thank you, Rob. You're the man. Um, we got a question from Chris and Perry George. Do we know if he plans to enroll early, Michael? No, he's not an early enrollee. I put that in my eco post I just put up. He wants to finish his high school. Where I'm assuming he probably plays another sport, um, so he probably you know feels obligated to finish that sport. Uh, but I, I do think he, I do expect him to sign in December. So, uh, but he'll get there in the summer. But um, I think I think that's something that's kind of important to him to finish out the year, so he won't be a early enrollee from 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 everything I've gathered. I mean, the cool thing here, Michael, it seems like, is this staff is identifying guys kind of early on, maybe when they're not as heralded. If I'm not mistaken, I think he started off as a three-star when we first saw his name come across the radar. Now he's a four-star blue-chip guy. Um, mm. You know, what does this kind of, uh, you know, display and demonstrate about this staff and their ability to find, you know, maybe diamonds in the rough? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, several things. Uh, first off, Derek Ray, phenomenal job with him. He's the GM for FSU. He has ties to uh, certainly Blake. Uh, they're both from Matika, California. So uh, Blake has some ties there. Or, or Derek has some ties there, but that helped. That just kind of got their foot in the door. Uh, obviously, Derek did a phenomenal job, but I think the relationship with Randy was a big deal. Um, and also just just kind of shows their reach of, of what they can do and where they can go with a program. It, it kind of solidifies kind of where we talk about recruiting momentum as long, and that's kind of, it, it, it solidifies that when you get a guy, cause they weren't always the leader. I mean, they were actually early on. Oregon was like the solid favorite for him. A lot of people thought that, you know, he was going to Oregon. Then he took that official to FSU in June. That's then you started seeing things kind of change a little bit where it really caught his attention. Um, so, it was it was FSU had to rally and come back because uh, they got in later than a lot of these other schools like Oregon, UCLA. They had already offered him. FSU was a later offer, but they did a great job with the relationships. Like I said, before they offered, they really got to know him. So I think that was what really solidified, I guess, their position. And then the connection he felt when he was at FSU. But it, I think it says a lot about their recruiting ability. There's a lot of good recruiters on this staff. Uh, I think it shows just kind of how good Randy is as far as connecting with players. And then, and then two, their reach, uh, it doesn't matter if you're in California or, or wherever you live that, um, you know, this staff ha- is really good and really elite at relationships. That doesn't mean they're the best recruiters everywhere on the staff, but it does tell you they're all really good with relationships. And when you're winning, um, it's easy to sell the other stuff. Uh, and that, and that's kind of, where they're at and and certainly why they were able to nab such an elite prospect like Blake Nicholson. What what stands out about his game the most to you, Michael? I mean, when you look at and talking to people in the industry, when, when they size up and scout Blake Nicholson, I mean, what is it that makes him a, a four-star top 200 recruit in the entire country? 
obviously I follow him a lot every week because we do the Friday Night Rewind. I really study kind of what he does each week. Obviously, his speed really jumps out to me. He's really quick. Uh, he's got really good speed, gets off the line really fast, and athletic, super athletic. I think he's already has like eight touchdowns on the on the year offensively. They run him. They throw the ball to him. And, and you can't be – I mean, if you're not a great athlete, you're not going to be able to do that. And certainly he brings a lot to athleticism to, to the table as far as with his game. But – the way he gets off blocks and his lateral movements from side to side is very impressive. Violent hitter. He comes there with bad intentions when he hits people. Uh, I think the only thing I would like to see more of is just see how he covers uh, backs out of the backfield or, or covers backs downfield. We don't see that as much in his game, but everything else, there's a check mark there because uh, the way he gets off the line is really good. His instincts of feeling out plays are really good. Getting off blocks is really good, and he gets a lot of sacks and certainly likes power slamming people, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was afraid he was going to end up like in a Big 12 or Big 10 school and maybe just oh, yeah. oh, look at that, man. That, that might be unnecessary roughness. I saw somebody yeah. get tackled like that. It was called I'm, unnecessary. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Randy and Norvell are going to kind of cater that as far as, hey, let's just bring him to the ground and not like power bomb him like uh, Hulk Hogan. And, and just, you know, and, and talking and getting to know uh, Blake over the, the weeks and months here, Michael, I mean, what were some of the things you think uh, that really, you know, you, you mentioned you touch on some of this stuff, but, you know, when did you, what, what could kind of sense in you that things were turning with him and, and what kind of maybe convinced him and sold him ultimately, you think, on Florida State over some really good suitors over on the West Coast closer to home? Yeah, I, I, I would go all the way back to that July visit, first off, before I start talking about what, what that Blake's told me. Like, I could sense a different in Blake because of the June visit, it was kind of like, Hey, I'm on official visit. I'm seeing what this is like. I'm getting a feel for it. He was like feeling out FSU. Like, how do you feel and stuff? This July visit, I really saw him interact with, uh, um, I saw a lot more smiling from Blake. There was a lot more interaction with recruits, which he never did in the June visit. It was much more, there was a much more comfort level. Like he was already part of the family. Like he, I'm not saying that he committed then, but I'm saying you could tell, the comfort level was extremely high, so I saw it then. And then when 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 I would talk to Blake, both from the June visit and the July visit, and even after the LSU win, uh, the win over LSU, it was a certain thing of of he didn't talk the way he he talked about FSU. Like when he talked about FSU, everything was really personal. Everything was really like, hey, I love their football. I love what they do with the football program. I love what they do with the linebackers. I love what Coach Norvell's doing. I love his fire. All that stuff. It, the the biggest takeaway was the one thing that was different is the way uh, he felt about this family at FSU. It was different. Uh, the relationship he had was different where he could talk about anything because you know, I go back to, you know, my, my main reason of why uh, I think a real, real big part of it was the way they recruited him was a big part of, of kind of setting the tone of, of why I think FSU ultimately won. Like they didn't just recruit him as a, Hey, it's a four-star linebacker. Let's go get him. It was kind of like, let's get to know him. Let's see what he's like. Let's see what his likes are. And let's also see if he's a fit for our culture, what we what we do and and kind of fit. Obviously, we know he's a fit in talent-wise because he's a phenomenal player. But can he fit kind of in our culture of what we're doing? And I think he fit everything perfectly. And uh, I, I think the big part is how they recruited him. The way they recruited him, the process of how he's recruited really led to kind of FSU get it. And then all the other stuff fell into place, like the connection with the university when he was in FSU several times. And then watching them on TV, he's like, I think they just nailed it with everything in this recruitment. They just, they did a perfect job as far as the way they recruited. And then also how they played on the field. Cause I've said that 
multiple times for everyone out there. Product on the field is going to be a big deal for a lot of these recruits, and and FSU has nailed it. Home run, whatever you, whatever adjective you want to use, FSU has nailed it on the field. Yes, it hasn't looked pretty. <laughs> you had to block an extra point to win the LSU game. Had to get a big interception. Had to get your backup quarterback to go in there and beat Louisville. But um, that stuff resonates with a lot of recruits, and winning's winning. And they're winning these games where last year, last two or three years, they haven't been. And and when you win, um, it's it's pretty easy to recruit, Aslan. The numbers on your screen do not include, do not factor in yeah. Blake's uh, commitment. I think so. it'll be I think it'll be at seventeenth as okay. far as, as for what, what I was told. I think it'll be around seventeen, sixteen. So they will be moving up when that's that's changed over, guys. I did some quick math. It'll be the fifteenth commitment if you don't include Kaziah Holmes. Right, right. Sixteenth uh, if you do include. So right, um, and that's you know helps out with that whole, whole sort of blue chip, uh, yep. you know, factor in here. So fifty percent. So they'll be over fifty percent now uh, with the commitment of Blake Nicholson, four star linebacker out of how do we say it in California, Michael? Mateka, Mateka. Okay, I was gonna say Manteca. So thank God we got Manteca. I think it was Manteca, but. I don't know. Blake's going to correct me when I call him later. But uh, either way, uh, Mateka, California, hopefully you got it right. If we didn't, Blake, give me a give me a lesson. Uh, yeah. But uh, either way, phenomenal news for FSU. <laughs> um, the momentum is real. Um, I mean, you can feel it. I mean, I've talked about this on the board throughout the week. And, and coming in, you got a big visit weekend coming up. A lot of good visitors. We'll have the full visitor list later. The buzz is there. I mean, it's it's real. It's real, and it's probably the highest I can remember under the Norvell era because everything's going in the right direction. It's not just, hey, if we win, or if they win, they could be good, or FSU wins, they're going to be good. It's they're there, they're winning, and uh, the culture is really good. Um, you can see the buy-in, and now it's just about the consistency and keeping it going, You know, just keeping the product going. If you want to keep that momentum, you know, just keep winning and sounds simple, but uh, I think that's really resonating with a lot of recruits. I think it's going to resonate with a lot of when they look at the transfer portal. I think it's going to be very effective in that. I think it's going to be very effective in the high school recruiting. And then they got another big one coming up. Mr. Hakeem Williams, five star wide receiver coming up on Friday. So I think there's there's a lot of them. Doesn't mean they're going to get everyone, guys. So don't think I'm saying they're going to get everybody, but it does mean the momentum is real. And what FSU is doing is resonating with a lot of recruits. September 23rd. So that's what? Is that Friday? Friday. 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 Don't know the time yet, guys. I'll find out. What do we think about that, though, Michael? Where, where's your spot at right now? I think it's really close. Uh, I, I have not made a call there. I think it's I think it's a close battle. You know, your gut kind of wants to lean towards the team that's been there uh, with Texas A&M being the leader for so long. But there is a lot of buzz about FSU. I keep hearing that every day. It can't, seems to be getting stronger. He's um, now. I will say this: whether it's FSU or Texas A&M, which I think is going to be one of those two. I don't. I think it. I think his recruitment's just getting started because he's going to take visits. I, I've heard. I've. I've been told by people around Hakeem that he's going to take a few games in for FSU, um, and then and then maybe one of them the official. But the process is just going to get started even after he commits because he's going to take visits, but. Certainly, it is big news either way um, if FSU was able to pull that off. But I think they're very much in there. I don't have a final call, but I, I think it could go either way. But like I said, gut tells you you should pick Texas A&M. 
but you cannot ignore the buzz that's going on with Florida State with him. So I'm going to keep digging. Hopefully I have a final call before Friday. And, uh, man, if that happened, <laughs> internet might blow up if FSU pulls off a Hakeem Williams. But uh, certainly they at least know they got some big news, certainly tonight with Blake Nicholson. And uh, and, and it got a big weekend this weekend, uh, Aslan. This is big because this is their first visit weekend where, you know, they're playing an opponent that is in the ACC that you can really sell to recruits to come over there, check out these teams, how they go. I think it's going to be a significant list. Um, I know Jordan Hall is going to be there. I've heard DJ Chester is also going to be there. So uh, it's going to be a significant amount of, uh, you know, commits and targets and certainly a chance for FSU to showcase, you know, again, uh, this team and, and where they're going. All right. Just joining us, wrapping things up here, Blake Nicholson, 6'2", 215-pound linebacker out of Mateca, California, four-star linebacker. As you see there on your screen, us over on three have him ranked the 189th prospect in the nation, it looks like, if uh, my screen's not uh, mistaken me. So head over to the warchant.com premium recruiting board. It's where Michael lives, breathes, sleeps, eats, everything. <laughs> All the information, more information on the commitment of Blake Nicholson over there, and Michael will keep you guys posted as the Hakeem Williams commitment yep. announcement approaches on Friday. Michael, as always, man. Uh, well, thanks to Rob Rathbun, by the way. for Yeah, thanks, airway. Rob. Um, as always, we appreciate the information and the knowledge, Michael. Anytime, man. There we go. Have a great one, everybody. Again, the Knowles land another linebacker moving on up.